no response to the remark. Gus was over-talkative, and always had been. Unless in violent combat, he was rarely silent for more than two minutes at a stretch. Besides which, he felt free to criticize everything from the captain's way with tobacco to Call's haircuts. It was true, though, that Captain Skull was in the habit of spitting his tobacco juice directly in front of him, regardless of wind, speed, or direction, the result being that his garments were often stained with tobacco juice to an extent that shocked most ladies and even offended some men. In fact, the wife of Governor E.M. Pease had recently caused something of a scandal by turning Captain Skull back at her door just before a banquet on account of his poor appearance. Inish, you'll drip on my lace tablecloth. Go clean yourself up, Mrs. Pease told the captain. It was considered a bold thing to say to the man who was generally regarded as the most competent Texas ranger ever to take the field. Ma'am, I'm a poor ruffian. I fear I'm a stranger to lacy gear. Einish Skull had replied, an untruth, certainly, for it was well known that he had left a life of wealth and ease in Boston to ranger on the western frontier. It was even said that he was a graduate of Harvard College. Woodrow Call, for one, believed it, for the captain was very particular in his speech and invariably read books around the campfire, on the nights when he was disposed to allow a campfire. His wife, Inez, a Birmingham belle, was so beautiful at forty that no man in the troop, or for that matter in Austin, could resist stealing glances at her. It was now full dusk. Call could barely see Augustus, and Augustus was only a yard or two away. He could not see Captain Skull at all, though he had been attempting to follow directly behind him. Fortunately, though, he could hear Captain Skull's great warhorse, Hector, an animal that stood a full eighteen hands high and weighed more than any two of the other horses in the troop. Hector was just ahead, crunching steadily through the sleet. In the winter, Hector's coat grew so long and shaggy that the Indians called him the Buffalo Horse, both because of his shagginess and because of his great strength. So far as Call knew, Hector was the most powerful animal in Texas, a match in strength for bull, bear, or buffalo. Weather meant nothing to him. Often on freezing mornings they would see Captain Skull rubbing his hands together in front of Hector's nose, warming them on his hot breath. Hector was slow and heavy, of course. Many a horse could run off and leave him. Even mules could outrun him. But then, sooner or later, the mule or the pony would tire, and Hector would keep coming, his big feet crunching grass or splashing through mud or churning up clouds of snow. On some long pursuits the men would change mounts two or three times, but Hector was the captain's only horse. Twice he had been hit by arrows, and once shot in the flank by Ahumado, a felonious foe more hated by Captain Skull than either Kicking Wolf or Buffalo Hump. Ahumado, known as the Black Vaquero, was a master of ambush. He had shot down at the captain from a tiny pocket of a cave in a sheer cliff in Mexico. Though Ahumado had hit the captain in the shoulder, causing him to bleed profusely, Captain Skull had insisted that Hector be looked at first. Once recovered, Einish Skull's ire was such that he had tried to persuade Governor Pease to redeclare war on Mexico or, failing that, to let him drag a brace of cannon over a thousand miles of desert to blast Ahumado out of his stronghold in the Yellow Cliffs. Cannons? You want to take cannons across half of Mexico? the astonished governor asked. After one bandit? Why, oh, that would be a damnable expense. The legislature would never stand for it, sir. Then I resign, and damn the goddamn legislature, Weinish Skull had said.
I won't be denied my vengeance on the black villain who shot my horse. The governor stood firm, however. After a week of heavy tippling, the captain, to everyone's relief, had quietly resumed his command. There was the opinion of everyone in Texas that the whole frontier would have been lost had Captain Einish Skull chosen to stay resigned. Now Call could just see, as the sleet thinned a little, the white clouds of Hector's breath. Crowd close now, he said, turning to the weary rangers. Gus and me will keep up with Hector, but you'll have to keep up with us. Don't veer to the right, whatever you do, the canyon's to the right, and the drop is sheer. Sheer, that means straight down to doom, Augustus said to the men. He remembered the first time he and Woodrow had skirted the Palo Duro, after foolishly signing up for an ill-planned expedition whose aim had been to capture Santa Fe and annex Nuevo Mexico. That time, the whole troop, more than 100 men, had to scramble.